Uh, welcome again, those of you who may have uh, snuck in um, since uh, I last welcomed you. But um, we are in a series called 10 Things That Make the Church Cringe. You can see the card right up there, or the PowerPoint version of the card. And uh, today, our theme really comes down to how can I get the inside track with God? One of those things that sometimes people don't like to hear or think about or discuss is that whole theme of how, how can I get an inside track with God? We live in, a, in an area here where, as we're seeing, unfortunately, in many ways, people are always trying to get an inside track. Um, and sometimes when that involves the market, it uh, involves things that would be against the law. And we're seeing some things that are happening in that area that uh, certainly have not been really good for some folks. Um, inside track. Everyone wants an inside track. Maybe I can make more money. Maybe I can get better favor. Maybe I can get this. Maybe I can get that. Um, but with God, sometimes we don't always think about it quite like that. But with God, what does that mean? Let me just make a statement here for you and get you to think along these lines with me. Inside track people are always looking for ways to do something or not do some things that will give them greater access and favor with God. To this person, it is what you do and don't do that defines your relationship or your standing before God. So many times we see this in the church. We see this in religious circles. Well, what do you do? What do you do to make sure that God's happy with your life? Or what don't you do? Unfortunately, in many, depending on where you are, in many situations, it's more what you don't do uh, than what you do. Um, so I want to just get you to kind of concentrate and focus on that with me for a few moments here. And I, what I've done is I put out some, I'm going to give you some things here in just a moment. I call the ways inside track people look. And here's what I mean by that inside track people. I'm talking about people who are looking for that inside track to God, that doing or that not doing whatever the case may be. What do they look like? I want to give you some little character sketch here of some of these folks, get you to think along uh, these lines with me. The way inside track people look. Number one, um, they're constantly aware of their behavior. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not, and I'm going to talk more about this in a moment, but I'm not saying we just do anything we want to do and be immoral and be illegal and mess over people and cheat and lie and steal. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that at all. Sometimes... People do that. But, but these kind of people are just so aware that they're just so, I call it, so concerned about dotting their I's and crossing their T's. I'll just want to make sure they follow the, the letter of the law. Sometimes you see it um, in, in, quote, religious type stuff. Sometimes not. I heard a story yesterday. Blew me away. Last night we had um, Renaissance uh, baptism service and had about some, some folks who wanted to be baptized and, and uh follow the, the teachings of the scriptures in that area, and that was really neat. Afterwards, we had a little dinner, a little party afterward, and um, somebody told me about a, a, someone else that had been baptized. Uh, their their uh, daughter had been baptized, and it was kind of an interesting story because, I don't know if you know this or not, but in some churches, they just they fight over this baptism thing. Uh, I mean, they have, there, is, there is a church for every brand. There are some people who say, well, you've got to be dunked. And there are some people who say you've got to be sprinkled. And there are some people who say you've got to be poured, and that's the only way. And there are some people who say when you've got to be dunked, you've got to be dunked in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit three times. Last night, that would have been a problem because the tank we were in was just so freaking cold. Man, I thought I was back in the Colorado River. But um, um, we had lost some, I think. We had a funeral today. But anyway, um, 
Some people say you got to do that. Some, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Some people say you got to do it like this, you know, forward, some backwards. Some say you got to sprinkle like this, you got to pour like this. In this particular case of, of my friends, um, they wanted to have, or their daughter wanted to be baptized in the mode of immersion. But that particular church didn't do immersion. They only did sprinkle or pouring or one, one of those two. They didn't do that. So, so what my friends did is that they went and got uh, a, a Baptist pastor who would, who would do the immersion thing. Because the Baptists, I believe that's, they believe that's the only way you can be baptized and won't recognize any other kind. And, um, and so they did that, and they, and they got a Baptist pastor who would baptize the, this, this young lady. And, um, but in doing so, the church that she went to wouldn't recognize that you had to be poured. So in order to fulfill the requirements of the church, they baptized her immersion, and while they were doing that, they let the Baptist guy do that. While they were doing that, the other guy poured on her as well. Is that great or what? I'm like, man, I've never heard of that. That's phenomenal. I mean, she's, she's covered, baby. She's got it. I mean, nobody could ever have any criticism of that. That's a person that's kind of aware of, kind of like the letter of the law type of thing. Now, unfortunately, it's not just about religious rights, so to speak. Sometimes you're so aware, so concerned, so, so um, just over the top on this behavior thing. Let me expand a little more. They have a sizable list of do's and don'ts. I mean, and it's almost to that point. And some people think of their quote-unquote relationship with God or their religion, and they think about what I should do and what I shouldn't do. I'm not saying there won't be some of those things in your life, but if that's the dominant part of what you call your religion or your relationship with God, then I hope we can move on from that because it's so much more. Uh, another thing, a third thing, there's just an emphasis upon the externals, and I think I've illustrated that pretty well. The baptism story does that. An emphasis upon the externals, just the external things are what's important. And then, and then lastly, just discussions or thoughts that center on behavior. Again, the external stuff, the behavior stuff. So these are inside, what I call inside track people. They're looking for that inside track with God. Here's what I got to do, and here's what I don't got to do. Excuse the English, but you understand the point. So one of the ways that you can think about this is, is one of the things I do, I don't, I don't usually start conversations off like this, but be, because I'm who I am and have some opportunities to talk to people, and particularly if you're you know, in an airplane or subway or train or something, you, you sometimes get into these conversations. Well, what do you do? Well, I do this. What do you do? Pastor. Oh, really? And of course, everybody, when the minute, minute you tell them, sometimes, sometimes I'm, I think about lying just so I can just you know, tell them I'm you know, a stockbroker or something just so I can carry another conversation. But then I'm afraid they'll ask me about stocks and I won't know squat. But, but, um, but I don't lie. I tell the truth. And I say, I'm a pastor. And they, oh, and they always go into a religious story. And so yeah, many times I have the opportunity to ask this question. And it's a very, it's a very telling question. Because we'll talk about that and talk about, you know, what's your background? How were you raised? I was raised Catholic or Baptist or Presbyterian or whatever. And, uh, and then I, I get this opportunity. Now I'll say something along these lines. You know, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm very sensitive to these situations, but I'll say, well, you know, you think you're going to go to heaven? Oh, yeah, I'm going to go to heaven. Um, well, how do you know that? The answer to that question is very revealing because most of the time, unfortunately, not always, but most of the more times than not, people will say, 
well, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. Or I'm going to go to heaven because I, I keep the Ten Commandments, which is a lie right there. But, uh, you know, I'm like, yeah, right. You keep the Ten Commandments. Come on. You know, uh, you, you know, you may keep them externally, but how about in your heart? The answer to that question is, and you can tell, and I'm, just, I'm not telling you this to judge others. I'm telling you this to judge yourself. The answer to the question, how do you know you're going to heaven, isn't because I'm a good person or I do good things. You may do good things. I'm saying you're not. I'm not saying you're not a good person. But the answer is because I've trusted Christ. And that's, that's the only answer. Because I can't be good enough. On my best day, I'm not good enough to earn my way to heaven. You know, and that's one of the issues you've you got to think about. So that's how you can tell if you're one of those people who I call sort of an inside track person, looking for that inside track with God. If you think you're somehow going to clean yourself up, work real hard, do real good, act just right, watch your P's and Q's, never use any, any of those four-letter words that, that you might hear somewhere, and, and then, then maybe... I can go to heaven. <clears throat> Wrong answer. Wrong answer. I want to take you to three different passages of Scripture, and then I want to draw some conclusions. Very simply, okay? Three or four conclusions. But the first thing I want you to do is just look with me. First of all, Ephesians chapter 2. God saved you by his special favor when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it did you get that salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it we are god's masterpiece he has created us anew in christ jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago now this is the apostle paul writing to the ephesian christians it's a passage from the bible that would apply to any person and i want to make this clear in this sort of little transition here I want to make this clear, and that is he's, he's writing this to people who have trusted Christ. He's writing this to people who are followers of Jesus. So I'm going to address it that way, since that's the, we're going to have some integrity with the text here. And I realized in the group this size that there are people here, some of you have trusted Christ, some of you are thinking about it, some of you aren't sure where you are, some of you are just sort of, well, you know, I'm just sort of checking this out. Great. I want you to see where I'm coming from because you, I want you to listen. You can still ask questions. You can still think about it. So, but that's, that's who this passage from the Bible, that's who the Apostle Paul is talking to. So we're going to address that to, to those who have, and I would just expand it, and even those who may be thinking about it, you can still draw some application. All right? So there you go. I love that verse 9 line. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it because we would if we could let me show you another passage from the new testament colossians again the apostle paul writes this you were dead you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away then god made you alive with christ he forgave all our sins he canceled the record that contained the charges against us he took it and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. I don't know if you've thought about it quite like this, but and it, was, became, it became so even more real to me, even though it's been very real to me for a number of years, when I saw The Passion and, and um, the movie, and, and it's just 
pretty heavy. Pretty hard. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, I think you need to see it. Um, it's not something I look forward to. I didn't look forward to it. I told Charlie, I said, this is weird. I don't, normally when we go to a movie, and we go to movies frequently, I, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I'm way anxious to see this new, you know, Sylvester Stallone movie, or I'm looking forward to seeing the new Arnold movie. Then he becomes a governor, and I can't watch him in movies anymore. But um, <clears throat> that's not, that was not this kind of movie. This is be like, you know, if Jesus did this for me, least I can do is just kind of go get an artist depiction of what Christ. And I'll tell you, they, whatever you think of Mel Gibson, he, he did a heck of a job on the, on, the, on the trials and the scourging. And if you understand the Gospels and, and, and the things, and I've been to Israel and went through the, each little station there that they have for you to, to kind of remember what things went through and, and so forth. And it was hard, but the thing that, that, that brought, I thought about this again as I read this passage. He canceled the record that contained the charges against us. He took it and destroyed it by nailing it to the cross. Someone once said, and I think it's a good way to think about it, that when Christ was on the cross, it was like, in a sense, it was like all the sins that I've ever committed. And I don't even know what all they all are because I'm not dead yet, you know. But all the sins that I've ever committed were nailed to the cross that Jesus went to be nailed on for me. Just for me, and for you as well. And that's, that's kind of personal, but it's, I think it's, it's, it's powerful stuff. So, and that's what the apostle is talking about in these verses. He forgave us all our sins. Forgave us all our sins. Past, present, and future. Let me show you one other passage. I'm going to read it to you in my favorite paraphrase, the message, the paraphrase. And it's from Galatians. And look what he says. Christ has set us free to live a free life. This would, this would break down some churches if you read it there. Christ would set us free to live a free life, so take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. I am emphatic about this. The moment any one of you submits to circumcision or any other rule-keeping system, at the same moment, Christ's hard-won gift of freedom is squandered. I repeat my warning, the person who accepts the ways of circumcision trades all the advantages of the free life. He's using circumcision just as a, any mode of work, is what he's saying, that, that you think makes you righteous. The advantages of the free life in Christ for the obligations of the slave life of the law. I suspect you would never intend this, but this is what happens. When you attempt to live your own religious plans and projects, you are cut off from Christ. Look at this. You fall out of grace. Meanwhile, we expectantly wait for satisfying relationship with the Spirit, for in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something far more, watch this, interior, something far more interior, faith expressed in love. Now what I want to do is just show you these four little thoughts. Just, I call them conclusions for the person. They're just some good, logical, inductive conclusions for those who have decided to become followers of Jesus. And they're very simple. They're based on these verses, and I'll go back to some of those verses in a moment. But let me show you the first one. You are in with God. That's the first thing I want you to see. You are in with God. Is there an inside track? If you've trusted Christ, you're in. You got it. It's not a matter of what you do or what you don't do. 
You've done it. You've accepted Christ. You've accepted what He's done for you. Let me show you that. I read it a moment ago. Let me show it to you again. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature were coming. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all us. It's done, baby. It's over. You know, that's the thing. That's the thing that you need to understand. It's, it, you don't have to do, earn, or clean up anything to be acceptable to God. Now, hang on to that thought because some people may think that I'm saying something there that I'm not, but just hang on to that thought. Um, it's not about you and what you do and what you don't do. It's about what Christ did. And I don't know how we have taken this thing of, of following Christ and we've made it about us. Well, I've got to do this and I've got to do this. No. If it was up to me, I'd be, I'd be nothing spiritually. But it's about what Christ has done for me and my acceptance of that and belief in that, my trust in that. There's no place for, for now listen to what I'm going to say here, there's no place for God-pleasing rule-keeping somehow that I can earn God's favor by keeping certain rules. No place for that, because I can't. Now, do I have standards? Do I? Yeah, sure, we'll talk more about that in a moment. But the issue is this, and, and, and don't do this, don't think, well, you know, and we all say this sometimes, hopefully, I'm, hopefully we're kidding. You know, well, you know, if I lie, I'm going to go to hell. Let me tell you something. If all liars went to hell, there'd be nobody in heaven, because we've all lied one way or the other, one time or another deceived or given a false witness or misled or, or whatever you know that's not the issue that's wrong and i'm not saying that's okay we, we are to be people of integrity the bible teaches that the world respects that okay but we can be the most we can have the most integrity of anybody alive but that doesn't mean all of a sudden we're acceptable to god we're acceptable to god because of our trust our faith in what jesus did for us and, and we need to keep that in mind so we're in with god you're in is there an inside track? Yeah. I'll tell you what the inside track is. It's what Jesus did, and when you trust him, you're in. That's the inside track. And that's where it ends. You don't have to start thinking, well, I've, now I've got to do this, and I've got to say so many things this, and I've got to pray so many times a day, and if I don't pray, I'm this. I'm the, listen, it's good to pray, and it's good to be regular, and it's good to, to pray regularly and, and to, be, to be in the Bible regularly and so forth, but it doesn't make you more holy. It doesn't make you more acceptable to God. You can't become more acceptable to God. That's why Jesus came for you and for me. Second little conclusion that I want you to think about. Not only are you in with God, but you're secure. You say, oh, that's kind of cool. You're secure. I read this verse a moment ago. Look at it again. It's in Ephesians chapter 2. God saved you by his special favor when you believed, and you can't, look at this, you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Once You've trusted God. You're secure. Listen. Um, if there's nothing you can do to earn this gift of God, there's nothing you can do to lose it. Now just think about that. That's a very important conclusion. Churches and Christians and, and people in churches debate this kind of thing. If there's nothing I can do to get it, that means there's nothing I can do to keep it because it's a gift from God. This This whether we call it salvation or, or a relationship with God or, or whatever you want to call it. And that's what he's telling us. It's a gift from God, knowing him, Jesus coming, going to the cross, dying, then being resurrected again. It's a gift from God. And you're secure. You're secure. That affects all aspects of our relationship. Um, I got a little thing here. 
security defined. Let me just get you to think along these lines with me real quick. A couple things. Number one, you're not going to ever, ever, ever be deserted by God. He promises that. He says, I'm with you always. I will never leave you. So, you know, insecurity comes oftentimes among in human relationships when we're not sure about that other person. We're not sure if they're going to leave us, if they're still going to love us, if they're still going to take care. You know, the one thing that I think is so important to understand, once you come to Christ, once you know God through Jesus, you're secure because you know there's one relationship. And you know what? You may know this only with this relationship, but it can really have incredible, wonderful ramifications. There's one person who will never leave you, who will always be there, who will always love you, even when you're unlovable, and that is God. And that is what Jesus, that's God, that is just what he tells us. You're never going to be deserted by God. Number two, his forgiveness knows no boundaries. We're going to talk more about this on Easter Sunday. We're going to talk about, is there a statute of limitations on sin? And um, you can probably kind of get the answer to that by looking at this particular point. His forgiveness knows no boundaries. That's pretty secure because, again, when you become insecure, when you think, oh, if I do this, that person may not love me anymore. Or if I don't do this, that person may not love me as much anymore. You don't have to worry about that with God because he's always going to love you. He's always going to be there for you. Now, does that not mean that there might be some consequences for something that I might do? No, of course not. You know, there are certain things that might happen because I lie or steal or cheat or, or do something else and in terms of just the human perspective, in terms of dealing with people or the law or whatever it happens to be. But when it comes to God, his favor isn't more or any less because of, of what I might do or, or fail to do. And that makes me feel pretty darn secure. Stick with me on this thought. Keep going. Third thing. Um, you can knock off the guilt trip stuff. I hate it. You know, I don't do guilt. It's one of the things I'm thankful that I've understood forgiveness since I was pretty young. I've understood the forgiveness of God. And as a result, that's affected me in many areas of my life. And one of the ways that has affected me is I don't do guilt. If you ever try to make me feel guilty, you'll see a side of me that you won't like. I won't cuss you out or anything. I'll just say, ah, oh, you know. I'll just go drop dead or something. No, I won't say that. But I mean, I hate that. And, and I think I hate it more because I see so many people manipulating others with it. And oftentimes it's not just moms and dads and kids who manipulate with guilt. Sometimes they do. And if you do that, shame on you and you ought to go home and ask God to forgive you. Okay, but well, the thing that I think, I have a book in my library that I, that I that really, it's called Churches That Abuse. That's the name of the book. And it talks about how many times in different ways churches abuse people that's not just talking about the the abuse that we're seeing in the news today which is horrible as it is with with uh, the, the sexual abuse it's talking about emotional abuse and oftentimes that comes in the way of guilt you better do this you better show up you better show up for church or god's not going to bless you you better do this you better be here on time that'd get you wouldn't it uh-huh let me tell you something, there's never, <laughs> those of you, I, I hate to say this to you, those of you who were late, not just this morning, but every morning um, <laughs> at church, I had about a three-year period, this is going to give you, this is going to give you, a, don't take this as license, okay, 
we went through about a three-year period after I resigned the last church I was in. I was working with another ministry and, and doing some different things, and I wasn't with one church. And then sometimes, oftentimes, I'd be speaking in a church, but most of the time it was during the week, or not most of the time, but, but there would be some of those Sundays when I wasn't speaking, and we had a church we'd go to where we lived there in D.C., and, uh, and it'd be about time for church to start, and I'd be at the house, and Charlie would say, well, Rich, we've got to get going. It's time for church. And I said, hey, all my life I'm on time for church. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to be late. You know, I have the freedom, and you know what? God's not going to be, yeah, it was kind of fun. So I kind of understand. It was kind of fun. But uh, don't let that be an excuse. You get here on time for now on, okay? Anyway, something as simple as that, sometimes someone might take and try to say, well, I've got to be at church, and I've got to be there on time, and, 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 or, or, you know, I'm going to feel good. Listen, don't, don't, don't go there. Here's the issue, and God, through Christ, forgave us. We, he doesn't use guilt. I shouldn't use guilt as his messenger, whether it be here or whether it be in my home with my family. That, that, the only time you need guilt, let God work inside of individuals to let them see that I talked about this earlier. If you do something wrong and you feel that, that, that conscience, that inner spirit, say, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't, have done, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have acted like that. Those are the only times that guilt is healthy and the only purpose it served is for you to come to God and say, you know what, Lord, I shouldn't have done that. And thank you for the forgiveness that you provided through me through Jesus. Now let me move on. You know, and that's the issue here. And that's an important thing. And when you understand security of the person who follows Christ, you've got a better handle on that. And that's why I'll make a commitment to you right now as pastor here. We'll never use guilt. We'll never use guilt to motivate anybody to do anything. We may err on the other side, but we're not going to use guilt in any way, shape, or form. So if you want to be late, God bless you, okay? Um, any <laughs> but you're missing some good stuff, I'll just tell you that. Um, uh, for anything, it's wrong. It's just wrong. The only guilt you need to feel is from God, the Holy Spirit, inside of your spirit, and he'll deal with you. He doesn't need my help. I'm not a junior Holy Spirit, okay? I'm just a guy. So there you go. Knock off the guilt trip stuff. Talked enough about that. Last thing, real quick. There is a sense, and I think this is self-explanatory, there is a sense of assurance that affects other relationships. I'll tell you what, when you're secure in the most intimate, in the most important part of your life with your creator, it's going to affect your security in other areas of life. Because what's more important? I mean, what's more important? A person can come and, and call me everything but a man. And I can say, you know what? I'm sorry you feel that way, but God loves me. <laughs> and he's a whole lot more important. I mean, it just affects everything. It just affects everything. And you know, we almost can become, in, in, in an emotional sense, be careful with this term, but you, we can almost become bulletproof in a sense. Because why? Because I know how God feels about me. And you know what? I, I'd like you to like me, but if you don't, that's okay. Because God, I know how God feels. Gosh, that's empowering, folks. That's wonderful stuff. God, I mean, that's why this is the most important stuff you'll ever deal with. Because it affects every other, every other part of your behavior when you understand God. I have a good friend who's a counselor, a biblical counselor, and just really a good, he's just really good. And he's, he's taught me a lot, and he's, he's, a, he's a dear friend. And one of the things that he says is, most of our problems come from an, most of our human problems come 
from an improper view of God. And, and there's just, there's a, there's, think about that thought. There's just a lot of truth to that. Okay, so there you go. There's security. Now, let me show you this third thing. And we're going to blow through these last two real quick here. Another thought. Conclusions of the ones who trust in Christ. You're in with God. You're secure. You're a grace product, I call it. A grace product. A couple of verses. We looked at them earlier. Look at them again. Ephesians chapter 2. God saved you by his special favor. You can't take credit for this. You're a product of grace, of God's grace. Second thing, Colossians 3. Uh, or Colossians 2, I'm sorry. You're dead, because, same verse I read a few moments ago, because your sinful nature was not covered. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins. Did we earn that? Did we do something? Did we go off in the corner and say, oh, God, please forgive me? No. He did that on his own. You're a product of grace through and through. It's God's grace. One of the things that you're going to hear about on Easter Sunday, I've been reading the story of John Newton, the author of, uh, of uh, the writer of Amazing Grace. And, and uh, man, this guy is phenomenal. I'm going to give you a detailed accounting of his story. I mean, this guy was up and down and up and down, spiritually speaking. I mean, and when he went down, he didn't just have too much to drink. He traded slaves. I mean, you know, th- I mean this, this was just some despicable stuff. And how he kept coming back to God. Amazing story. I'll tell you more about it in a couple in a few weeks. But the point is this: it's all grace, folks. And you say, "Well, I've never done anything as bad as that, trading slaves." No, and I haven't either. But you know what? All things that are wrong, all sin, is wrong in God's sight. And it's so easy for me to look at somebody who's worse and say, "Look how bad they are," and as a result, forget exactly where I am. But we have to stop and understand, to a righteous God, wrong is wrong, period. There aren't degrees. There aren't levels. Certainly there are, again, consequences that are different. But it's all wrong. Let me show you this real quick. Three things. What does the grace product look like? And that's me and you as grace products. What does the grace product look like? Three things real quick. Forgiven and knows and can't be bogged down by past junk. Okay? So many times that's so hard for us to move on. And that past junk may be what somebody did to me. It may be more of what I have done or haven't done. And the person who understands grace doesn't get hung up on that. The person who understands grace is phenomenally thankful. That's why the Bible over and over and over again talks about be grateful, be thankful, give thanks, be thankful in all things. Our response to God's grace is simply one thing. We're thankful people. We of all people should be the most thankful because we understand what God has done for us. A third thing, a grace product exemplifies grace. They've received grace. They give grace. You see, God's people, the people who understand what Christ has done for them, the people who have put their trust in Christ ought to be ought to be the most gracious people on the face of the earth because they understand grace. Many times that's not the case, but that's what we are to be because we understand God's grace. And whether we're talking about the person we deal with on a daily basis in our home or in our business or whether we're talking about the weight person and a 7-Eleven or somewhere else, we are to be the most gracious people on the face of the earth. And I always find it's, 
kind of a cool thing. If you want to find out how gracious you are, how do you treat the people who really, in our culture, not saying this is the case, but in our culture, have the least importance. Not saying they're not important, but in our culture, they have. How do you how do you treat those people? Well, I tell you, that's an important issue. It's a little test you can run on yourself from time to time. You're a grace product. Fourth thing, very simple, is this: when one trusts in Christ, you're in with God. You're secure. You're a grace product. And thank God, you're free. You're free. We read it earlier. Let me read it to you. Just one, one part of it again. Galatians 5, verse 1. It goes like this. Christ has set us free to live a free life. Take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. And he's speaking to people who come out of a Jewish background. And, he's, you know, and they're getting into all the Jude, Judaistic law and so forth. But, but the application is for me, wherever, whatever background we come from. You know, some of us, I come from a background where, you know, you, you, you literally, I mean, this was many, many, many years ago, I was very, and my parents have long since rejected this, but I mean, I came from a background where you didn't drink, you didn't smoke, you didn't chew, and you didn't run around with women that do, okay? You know that one, right? And, uh, and you didn't have playing cards, and, and, and you didn't do some of these things, and I was just, just some ridiculous, ridiculous stuff, you know? And, and, and people thought if you didn't do those things, somehow you would be righteous. Now, for you, it may be something different. It may not be those things at all. Maybe, some, you, you, maybe, not what you, maybe it's not what you don't do. Maybe it's what you do, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do this, and you've got to be on time, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do this. And if you do, you'll be more righteous. <clears throat> Wrong answer. You see, that's the issue. And that's why, that's why the Bible, inspired by God, Christ has set us free to live life. Now, one of the things that always happened with the Apostle Paul, and I won't take you there now because we don't have the time, but in, we really don't have the time, but we, um, real quick, in, in, in Romans, Paul was constantly accused of, um, of, of preaching some kind of a, what we call sort of an antinomian gospel, where there was no law, there was no principle. And he, people, he, he kept repeating this, you know, and do we sin more so that, grace, so that God's grace may abound? His point was this. No, that's not the issue at all. The issue is we have God's grace, we thank God for God's grace, and we move on with our lives. Now, in the whole spectrum of things, when you love someone, what happens? Just think about it with your, with your mate, or think about it with your parents, or, or, or good friend, whoever, someone that you love. What, what happens? You desire to please them, don't you? I mean, on occasion, on occasion, I may have done or said something to really tick off Charlene, but for the most part, I really desire to make her happy. Why? Because I love her. She's my wife. She's stuck with me for 30-some years. God knows. It's been wonderful 30 years for me, maybe three or four good years for her, okay? <laughs> you know, you love someone, I hope more than that. I'm being a little facetious here, but don't talk to her about it, okay? Because she may tell you the truth. Um, but, you know, you love someone, you really desire to please them. So the whole point here from this passage uh, that, 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 that God is showing us in the Bible is, listen, you're free. Here you are, you're free. Does that mean you can live any way you want to live? You won't want to. You won't want to. 
And it's not because they have a list of rules for you. It's because, you know what? Jesus loved me, and I love him, and I want to please him. Yeah, but can I go do this? Can I go out and just get drunk every night and go do this? and go? Sure, you can do that. But why do you want to do that? You know, you're going to displease God. So it comes matter, of, uh, and that's, that's a motivation out of what? Out of fear? No. It's out of love. And that's what God wants from all of us. A life that is lived out of love for others, but first of all, for him. So, so, so there you go. I lost all my notes. They're all over up here. So it, it doesn't matter. Okay, there you go. When you think about that, what is it? You have an in with God, okay? You have an in with God. You got that. You're secure, you know? You're free. And we can move on. And we thank God for that. And it comes, it comes through a relationship with Christ. I'm going to pray. Steve and the guys are going to come. And, and, and we're going to, they're going to sing a song, and Victoria, and they're going to sing a song that just really kind of, I think, puts us all together for us. Yeah, come on up. Um, and, and it's all about, it's not about me. It's not about, it's the power. It's the power above all this other, there is God. And that's what my life is about. That's what your life is about. It's above all that. So let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for the, for the truth that we can see here. We thank you for the love of Christ, Lord, your love for us, and how it is phenomenal, how it is something far beyond we can really comprehend in our human minds. And Lord, you know each person here, and I pray that the Spirit of God would work in each heart. I pray, Lord, that that inner, inner voice, that inner, that inner spirit, speaking for some of us it's going to say be thankful i love you dearly you've trusted me with your life and i'm going to bless you and take care of you for some of us lord it might be something different it might be lord right here right now i do want to trust you i want to give my life to you i i i believe in you lord i believe you came and went through that horrible beating and went, went to the cross, died, rose again to give me new life. And right here, right here where I'm sitting, I want to just say, Lord, I want to, I want to put my trust in you because you are above all powers. You are above all everything. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.